Well, good morning. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and, and uh, have a pep talk today. Our, uh, one of our discussions on faith and politics, belief in the ballot box, as we seek to sort of navigate that intersection. And uh, we talk about pep talks, we're talking about the idea of praying, educating ourselves on the topics, and then participating in the system. Um, <clears throat> no doubt, if you've been watching the news, uh, you know that Ruth Bader Ginsburg, uh, one of our nine Supreme Court justices, after many bouts with illness and cancer, finally succumbed, and she, she passed away just the other night. And uh, this is a very fresh um, um, event that has taken place. And, uh, and, and like many, you know, we want to pray for their family. We want to keep them in prayer. I mean, she was a giant uh, of an influencer in our country, really kind of a rock star in our culture, uh, you know, in a, in, a, in, a, in a category, government and politics and, and, and legal things and such, which are generally, uh, you know, for many, not really ever seen as something that is um, something to pay much attention to. She uh, was somebody who, to her credit, uh, became a, a lightning rod for uh, all kinds of things, but also became a focal point uh, and an inspiration, really, for lots of young women who, um, you know, for a long time uh, would never really have much aspiration to to uh, achieve in these areas of, of public life. But she opened the door to that uh, in a way that that influenced a lot of people. Now, of course, we don't agree with all of her uh, uh, all of her decisions. We don't necessarily agree with her perspective in that. But uh, we do acknowledge the fact that she was hugely influential, and uh, and now that that um, um, uh, you know she's passed, you know there's a tremendous hole not only legally speaking that of course is becoming a, a topic of great conversation. How do we fill that seat? Um, but you know even on the court itself, you know something that was um, I think uh, that is and was certainly uh, when she was alive as well, but continues to be and has been for some time is the beautiful kind of camaraderie and relationship that that uh, that exists between the justices that really came to light uh, after her passing and even after Justice Scalia's passing uh, not so long ago really when um, uh, when when their friendship relationship uh, was really brought out and and, and emphasized and how two people uh, Antonin Scalia tremendous conservative uh, uh, Ruth Bader, Bins, uh, Bader Ginsburg uh, tremendous liberal you know people on completely diametrically opposed uh, perspectives on how to interpret the Constitution um, could still get along and could get along quite well uh, where uh, and and such it is with with all the justices on the court they're able to um, on a personal level interact and have deep uh, relationships and friendships um, even though they disagree um, fiercely on some of the issues uh, it's a good demonstration. If nothing else can be taken away from it, and much can be, but if nothing else can be taken away in our current culture, we're literally just disagreeing with somebody is starting to be considered hate speech. To, to recognize that in the highest court of the land, you could have people with such completely opposed views get along, discuss even heatedly these things, but still get along and be friends. Uh, boy, is that a lesson that we could stand to embrace in our culture broadly. Um, with a madness that has just overcome the capacity to have even normal conversations without it becoming hate-filled. Uh, the mindless vitriol behind some of this stuff is just, uh, it's appalling. It's, it's horrible. I'm, it's, it's offensive in every way. And it completely stands against the principles that our country was based on, and not to mention biblical principles that we hold to. We should be able to discuss these things and, and, and hugely disagree, but still be able to get along and have discussions and not have to uh, hate each other, want to destroy each other. I think that if nothing else, 
Uh, we can see that from uh, the life of people like Ruth Bader Ginsburg and, and Antonin Scalia, you know, in their relationship. I think that stands as a great testimony to, on a personal level, what can happen when people who disagree can still get along. Um, and so there's a lot to be applauded in that kind of a thing. Now, again, we do have to, as I alluded to before, we do have to recognize that as believers, there were things that she stood for that we would absolutely completely oppose. Uh, her views on abortion, for example, primarily would be one of those things that um, um, uh, would, would absolutely be something I would never hold her up as a great model of, of virtue in. Uh, although there were things that she had decided that I would have agreed in and that kind of a thing. But there were clearly things that we did not agree with uh, in that kind of a thing. And so, but knowing these things is an important part of what it means to be a Christian in America. Now, I realize that many people who watch this podcast are not necessarily in America. I may not be in westernized countries. And so you may not have the right to participate in your politics like we do here and like we have the privilege and I think the responsibility to as believers. But in your situation, uh, this may just be news stories to you and that kind of a thing. But I hope that still something can be learned from them. But I do think that it's important for us to, uh, as we, especially now in a political season where an election is really just 44 days away, I think, at this point, um, it becomes important for us as believers to pay attention to what's going on around us so that we might participate in that system, both through prayer, first and foremost, seeking the Lord, blooding our knuckles on the gates of heaven, asking God to intervene and intercede for our country. Uh, and I think we also, in connection with that, should educate ourselves on the issues, on the candidates, on the names that are being put forth in our current context for the Supreme Court. We should know things about those who are going to be potentially governing us in, in some capacity. And we should, insofar as we have a voice in it, we should participate. And so, hence, we're having one of our pep talks today, the idea of praying, educating, and participating as believers. And so, let me start by talking about something very uh, simple and basic and, and biblical, something that we're all probably very familiar with. And I'm going to read this out of Matthew chapter 25. Uh, it's a familiar passage, and I think it's poignant for what we're talking about. Uh, Jesus said, it'll be like a man going on a journey. By the way, where, where Jesus speaks this is right after Matthew 24. He's uh, spoken about the end that is coming. He's talking about, uh, in, in some great degree, uh, Daniel's 70th week. He's talking about the, uh, the coming events and the end times that, that we talk so much about on this podcast. Uh, and many talk about as we look around us today and realize we're living in these days. Well, Jesus, having just spoken about many of those things, now talks about the idea of being ready. Uh, uh, he talks uh, in terms of the virgins and, and, uh, and such uh, being caught off guard in this kind of a thing. Well, here he continues on that thought. Again, in, in verse uh, 14, he says, It'll be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To the one he gave five talents. Talents, by the way, are, are, are uh, 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 a denomination of money. And so he gave five talents to the one, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his ability. And then he went away, and he who had received the five talents were at once, uh, uh, went at once and traded with them, and, and he made five talents more. And so also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who received the one talent went and dug in the ground and, and hid his master's money. Now after a long time the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I've made five talents more. And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. 
And he who also had the two talents came forward, saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents, and here I have made two talents more. And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, uh, who had received the one talent, came forward, saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you, uh, where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went, and I hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant, slothful being lazy. Uh, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. And so take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has will more be given, and he who uh, uh, will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Now, there are things that can be taken from this parable that we should understand, but one very simple primary truth is that the master has given resources to his servants and he expects them to be used. He expects those servants to use those resources in business that will bring him profit. In other words, in they need to use what's been given to them so that the master might increase. Uh, what he has in that. In other words, they're supposed to serve the master with what he gives them. And so as Christians, it's not hard to see a principle at play here. Now, again, primarily in view here is literal money. Jesus is speaking about money and investing it in those things that ultimately bring about a kingdom return and that kind of a thing. But in principle, the idea of whatever resource God gives us, uh, you know, it's often been spoken of that this word talents is, is, uh, you know, fortunately, kind of translated in English uh, to a word that speaks of using our abilities and gifts in that. And so in principle, we're not far off the mark. Whatever resource God has given us uh, personally, whether it's finance or whether it's skills, abilities in that, but whatever resource he gives us, these things ought to be invested in his business. Um, You know, and the one servant that had that little bit given to him, Remember, at the beginning of the parable, Jesus said that each one was given according to his ability. Even this one who had little ability was still given something, and the expectation was that it would be used. And so, how does this relate to what we're talking about now? Well, one of the resources that God has given us in America is he's given us the resource of participating in our political system. He has given us the resource of freedom to vote for those that we like. We have a government by the people, for the people. And so therefore we elect people that best reflect our values, best reflect our biblical worldview. If you're a believer, you should always be voting according to your biblical worldview, not according to your pocketbook, not according to some other thing. If somebody is wildly unrighteous, um, but promises that you'll make a lot of money, that, that should not be the criteria that we vote by. Um, for example, I'll just come out and say it, Donald Trump, somebody that I do not on a personal level uh, um, agree with and and in in some ways I I don't like at all. I would love to think that the presidency has caused him to, you know, kind of grow out of some of those immature sorts of things that were so characteristic of him early on. Um, But the, the point is I didn't vote for Donald Trump because I thought he was a great guy. I voted for Donald Trump because I liked the principles of his platform, of his ideas. I liked some of the ideas he was putting forth. In this upcoming election, he's talking about defunding Planned Parenthood. Now for me, 
that is a a, a really important issue. I'm not a one-topic uh, voter, but um, I, I do think that's important. So I vote for people that, that best reflect my biblical worldview. We don't have perfect candidates. As a matter of fact, we, our candidates are far from perfect, but we have what we have. And so we vote the best we can with, uh, in accordance with what we believe, biblically speaking. And so therefore, we, we, we and I make, I make all this point to say that we need to participate to not participate is to let others make the decision for you. Now, why is that a problem? Well, because we have a mission as Christians. And fortunately, for the last 250 years, we've been pretty free to go about that mission without a lot of interference. We've been able to preach the gospel. We've been able to plant churches. We've been able to um, speak out. As a matter of fact, there was a time when when pastors uh, were often considered uh, uh, to be a, among that group of people that you would go to to find out what the right and wrong things to do would be. Nowadays, we have fallen into uh, sort of this place where we're the last people anybody would want to ask about um, public life or, 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 or those kinds of things. But the body of Christ, by and large, ought to be an influence in culture and society, uh, not just as a pastor, but even as just anybody, anybody who's a believer. Uh, you know, I, I'm a believer before I'm a pastor. So any one of us should be able to participate in the system. This is a great gift that God has given us that we don't want to squander. We don't want to bury it in the ground and pretend that there's no increase that can come from it. No, instead we should we should pour into that which has been given, or take what's been given to us and pour it into those opportunities to bring growth and to bring a return for the Lord. And so voting, as simple as it sounds, and yes, your vote actually does count. And by the way, it counts because we have an electoral college. That's another whole thing. If I remember, I'll try and put a couple of good links in there to help explain what the electoral college is all about. But don't think your vote doesn't matter. Of course it matters. And you should go and exercise it. You should research the candidates. You should think about which one lines up best with your biblical principles. Uh, and again, neither candidate is going to be perfect, okay? We can't, we can't not vote because we don't have a perfect candidate. We need to vote based on who best lines up with that which we believe. I know these are, <laughs> neither choice is particularly great in that, in that, in that particular way, except that policy-wise, not personality-wise, but policy-wise, it seems to me there's a pretty clear choice in, in this regard. But you need to take that yourself and pray about it. You need to understand and educate yourself, and then you need to go ahead and vote and participate. Um, I've mentioned before in our previous podcast how Paul used his citizenship as a resource, as a tool to ultimately go about his kingdom business. And he used it when it served him well. Well, you and I as Americans have... Uh, a wonderful resource in our citizenship. Again, the freedoms that we're afforded to participate in the system is a wonderful gift, uh, a wonderful investment, uh, a, a means to invest uh, in the kingdom of God that we should not squander. Let me let me get particularly political for just a minute here and explain why this is important at a time like this. Um, as 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 you know, as we mentioned at the outset, um, since uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg's passing, immediately the wheels are in motion to go ahead and fill that seat. And of course, the debate comes up, well, is it right to fill it with only 45 days left and all that kind of thing? I'll leave you to, you know, kind of uh, follow the news and all that kind of thing. But to fill that seat, in my view, is very important. Um, there's already, and again, I, I, I hate to start getting, I'm not, this is not a newscast. I'm not trying to be like this. But the reality is, is that 
one party is is already talking about bringing lawsuits uh, after the election vote and all that kind of thing. And um, it's it's not even happening yet, but they're already threatening that whatever the outcome is, if Trump wins, they're going to dispute it, debate it. They're going to uh, bring lawsuits against all that kind of thing. Um, and at some point, much like it did with Bush and Gore, it's very, very possible that it's going to come now before the Supreme Court. Well, to have a 4-4 split court is something that is not going to be very helpful in, in, in that. And now as believers, again, whoever you're going to vote for, uh, it's, uh, believe me, I, I, don't, I don't want to tell you who to vote for. That's not what I'm doing. Uh, you need to choose for yourself. But the peripheral things that happen around that election are important. Um, and so that's something to think about. On a larger note, certainly a connected note, um, the candidates that Trump is holding up right now are conservative, primarily. I don't know all the candidates he's holding up. I'm still kind of researching that. But the, the front runner is a very conservative woman. And, uh, and for the court to now move from, <clears throat> from leaning liberal to leaning conservative is an enormous opportunity for good. Um, when you know, parties get candidates elected, uh, the candidate that's president right now, if he's got a Congress that's on his side, or at least the Senate in this particular set, uh, uh, context, then you then it's it's their place to put somebody in in office. If it was the other way around, I'm fairly certain the Democrats would want to push through their candidate as well. If they had a Democratic Senate, they they wouldn't hesitate either. And that's the way politics works. You know, I don't. You know, I wouldn't like it if the if the shoe was on the other foot. But what legal argument would I have? You know, it is what it is. I'd have to pray really hard. Um, I should still pray really hard. But you know, to to see a, a a Supreme Court that leans conservative as opposed to liberal is a good thing. Uh, it may mean the difference in saving millions and millions of unborn lives. It may speak to all kinds of cultural issues that will at least for a while tip more to the side of that which we would agree with biblically. Uh, and so, again, we don't look for righteousness to come from Washington. But when it comes to justice, when it comes to what's right and judging uh, that which is right, this is very clearly the purview of, uh, this falls very clearly into the camp of morality and such. And so it becomes important for us to recognize that one of the things that we can do to help uh, morality flourish in our country is to vote for those candidates that best uh, uh, agree with a biblical worldview and then pray that they make the right decisions when it comes to things, for example, like choosing a Supreme Court nominee. Uh, you and I should be praying fervently for that nominee to be a conservative and even to be a Bible-believing conservative. Um, you know, thankfully, the founders made it clear that there was to be no religious litmus test uh, for, for uh, those on the bench and that and so and those uh, uh, who are justices. So, um, so we shouldn't feel like it's a weird thing to, to seek God's will in Washington. Um, Daniel served Nebuchadnezzar. And Nebuchadnezzar, if we understand chapter 4 correctly, may have come to truly believe in the God of Israel. And so, you know, things can happen uh, as we serve the Lord, as we pray, as we seek to reflect his, you know, we pray it all the time, right? Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We want his will to be done here on earth as it is in heaven. And as we pray about that and as we walk in his ways, we're going to act in ways and participate in ways that will, to the best of our ability, serve his purposes in bringing those things about. So uh, for what it's worth, some things to think about there. 
some things to consider. And um, and as I as as we pray about these things, just pray again as that God would bring about His will here in these things. And and my prayer is that we as believers would um, would pray and and learn and grow and educate ourselves and participate in the system insofar as we've been given the opportunity to. So that said, um, we're not going to be political all the time, but every now and then. It becomes important for us as Christians to understand how faith and politics do in fact intersect and what our perspective should be on these things. So for what it's worth, there's my two cents. Father, we thank you. We praise you for um, just giving us the opportunity. Those of us who do live in America, thank you for the privilege of being able to participate in our politics. And we pray that, Father, you would help us to, um, to be deep students of the Word of God, that, Lord, we'd know what you think about things, that we would understand uh, those things that you have made clear in your word and that we would apply those truths to the way that we approach politics, to the way that we vote for candidates, to the way that we get involved in our culture here in that level. And Father, thank you for the privilege of being able to do so. And for those who live in countries where that's not really a, a possibility, we pray, Father, that you'd give them just the fortitude to continue to pray and to um, just to watch you work in the lives of those in leadership that they're praying for. And I encourage them to pray for their leaders, as, um, as, as hard as that might be sometimes. We just pray that, Father, we'd see a change in the hearts of those who lead us wherever we live. Uh, Father, we, you know, the, the word doesn't tell us there's gonna be a grand revival before you come and snatch us away, Jesus, but we do pray that there is one. It doesn't say there won't be, and so we just pray that there will be. And we pray that, Father, it would start with us, and we'd see many, many come to faith before you come to snatch away your bride. And Father, we just thank you, Lord, for um, again, for these privileges, we pray for uh, this opening on the Supreme Court and pray that you'd fill it with somebody who loves you, who knows you, and who wants to honor you in the decisions they make. Father, we thank you for our Constitution and that it, uh, it's, it's intended to ultimately provide a means through which people, uh, as was said in the Declaration, can pursue uh, you know, life and, and, and happiness and, and, uh, and such and so and liberty and all. And so, Father, we just pray that we would not... Um, casually let those things fade away and even die because we didn't get involved. Uh, Father, we know things will work out as you have ordained them to. We know that we're not going to uh, ultimately, um, you know, you're sovereign, we're not. And so we just pray that, Father, you would have your way and that you'd accomplish your purposes. But Father, enlist us in those purposes uh, as we seek your kingdom to come and your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. So Father, we thank you Teach us that politics is not something we shouldn't pray for or participate in, but rather it's just part of what it means to be a believer in America, is to participate in those things as you've given us the privilege to. We love you, we thank you, we praise you, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for watching this uh, pep talk, and I just pray that Lord, you, uh, that, uh, <laughs> that you all would uh, uh, feel free to comment and let me know what you think. Again, you may agree, you may disagree. Um, I, I, I appreciate the engagement. So go ahead and comment if you like on the uh, our YouTube channel, if that's where you're watching, or if you're on a, my website at parsonspad.com, you can also comment there as well. And uh, you can also email me from our church's website at calvarychapelfranklin.com. You can also email me at parsonspad.com as well. So in any case, I pray that you would uh, just walk with the Lord and that you would get involved insofar as you can, uh, living out your faith in the culture in which you live. And uh, may God be glorified through it. And may he bless you in your effort. So God bless you. We'll see you next time.